When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On this first Sunday of Lent, firm early in our resolutions to die to self and live for God, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have the temptations of our Lord before the devil departs for a time. Let us meditate briefly on a theology of the demons, why you have everything and nothing to fear from them. Basic beginning, and let's start here. The devil says, I shall give you all this power and glory. They're up in the high place, seeing all the kingdoms of the earth. I shall give you all this power and glory. It's been given to me, and I can hand it over to whomever I wish. You get it if you adore me. And notice that Jesus Christ does not contradict that point. He contradicts the adore me point. He does not contradict that the devil has received all this power and glory and can hand it over to those whom he wills. Understand the state of things, right? Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw how good the light was. This is the creation of the angelic beings. God, the eternal, the ineffable light, creates a comprehensible version of that light in the angelic beings, like God, pure spirit. And then the next verse it says, and God separated the light from the darkness. This is important because it is some verses later when God creates the sun and the moon and the stars. So the creation of the light and the darkness is not about the creation of the heavenly bodies. It is the angels and those angelic beings who see the mind of God, see the plan of God, and essentially prefer themselves to God and fall into darkness. They are beings of pure light that now, in a sense, become unlight. Think of the analogy like this. You've ever seen a black light. A black light is a light that is unlight. It shows things, but it obscures more than it actually reveals. And it falls into this cosmos wherein all of creation comes to exist. And of course, because, right? This is quoted in the book of Revelation. Woe to you, earth and sea, because the devil has come down to you. His wrath is great because he knows his time is short. This eternal being and the lesser beings, the devil and the demons, as we so call them, are completely aware that the end is coming, and because they're eternal, time passes very quickly. For you and I, it takes forever. For them, not so much. But their wrath is great because they are pure spiritual beings of immense power. And this gets to the contention between Christ and the demon, the devil called Satan. Satan meaning the accuser going from being the greatest angel that brings the light so that we can see to now being the unlight. Right? You can think of black light in criminal cases. I show the black light. I obscure more than I show, but I show your fault. I show everything wrong you do, that you will fall into despair. 
It's the heart of the temptation at the Garden of Eden. God, did God say that? No. God knows full well you won't die. Don't look at the light, look at the unlight. And falls to death. Now, that in one sense gives us everything fear because the opponent of your existence is an immensely powerful being that loathes the fact that you even exist and wills only your obscurity and your destruction. In one sense, you have everything to fear. But in the other sense, it is the confrontation between Christ and the temptations, which instructs us, and then the victory of Christ, because the devil appears again, where? In the Garden of Gethsemane, because the devil understands. Works once, worked again. Humanity, at the foot of a tree in a garden, will reject God. Can I get the human nature of the Messiah to do the same? Answer, no. The victory of Christ is established. To quote the scriptures, right, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into Tartarus. Now, Tartarus is a Greek name for hell, we'll say, right? Cast them into Tartarus and committed them to the deepest pits of darkness to be kept until the judgment. The victory of Christ on the cross cast the demons into the, quote, deepest pit of darkness until the judgment. So the reason why we have everything to veer is because they are pure spirit beings that are incredibly more intelligent than we are and hate us. The reason we do not fear is because they are conquered by Christ and changed in the pits of darkness until the judgment when in God's grace that comes. So then, what does all this mean? It means a couple of things that the temptations reveal to us. Start with all the kingdoms of the earth are yours if you worship me. The demon has touched worldly power. And everything that apes and wants to command worldly power has the danger of falling into the demonic. And make a distinction. Influence is very healthy and good. Power is incredibly dangerous. Influencing the people, right? And not, not all power, right? Parents have a legitimate power over their children. Boss of a company has legitimate power over his employees. So on. The police have a legitimate power or keep things moving together. But if that power is merely power, I rule by diktat and do whatever I want, that power is not principally enforced by influence, right? This is a great temptation for the clergy, draped in all kinds of religion, to use power merely as power and not as influence. So the danger is always there. And I would simply submit, I don't want to go all the way down the rail, but we live in an age of the world where nobody that commands serious influence, there's no government, there's no large corporate power, there's no supernatural interest that says, you know what we need to do, we need to figure out what God says about this. In no, there's none of that. There simply is build a better world, no matter what. None of us are against building a better world. We are becoming very aware that when you try to build a better world, there might be a cost to it. Now, I'm not going to get into all the particulars, just simply say, 
in our own existences. It's always that temptation. I could adore God or I could have greater influence in the world. Which is it? I could adore God or I could go to soccer practice and have greater influence there. I could adore God or I could instead go and do this other thing. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's an easy choice to make, but that is the dynamic before us. The second temptation reveals to us, right? Make the stones bread. It's fascinating, right? Make your life comfortable and easy and self-satisfied. Note the anti-Eucharistic tone to this temptation. To Jesus, who will make bread himself. Who will make bread what feeds your soul and makes you have perfect communion with God. Instead, it's, instead of raising up bread, changes one thing to another. This stone, which can be used for building and so on and so forth, have it satisfy your immediate need. Right? Think of it like this. In the United States Constitution, it rightly declares the right to the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. Do you know what is asserted today by many, many people? That I have the right to be happy. Not the right to pursue happiness. I have the right to be happy, darn it, no matter what. And if I'm unhappy, you have done something to me and it must change. There is some struggle here that I don't have to put up with this struggle. I have to be happy. Now, I'm not going to break down the particulars. We're saying when you see that happen, there is the haunt of the demon. Right? Have all this worldly power. Forget real life, go to the metaverse. Why should you have to be merely human? Time to be transhumanist. Don't, there is no transcendent God. The world is earth and metal and water and fire. And that's it, right? It's the unlight. Be very wary. And then that gets to the last one. Command the angels, it's sort of the misanthropic Bible study, if you will. I take the words of God and I use them to mean what I want, mostly to my self-aggrandizement. And this is where Christ asserts right, primacy of righteous teaching. Primacy of the righteous teaching of the Son of God, who reveals all truth, the advocate who reminds truth, and the apostolic college he constitutes when he says to those apostles, quote, whoever hears you, hears me. And so for the church, it's the endless temptation to wander from that fidelity, to either use it to aggrandize itself or to use it to make its life easier rather than faithful. And then for us individually, it's having the word of God fill our life when that's easy, that's easy. When it's hard, it's hard. To quote the disciples in John chapter 6, this is a hard saying. Who can accept it? Well, exactly. Make the stones bread. Not this hard thing, soft thing. Not the hard rolls, donuts. Because I don't want to pursue happiness that might not come till glory. But gosh darn, I want to be happy. And again, all these things are the haunt of the demon.
that we must struggle to be wary. Now I want to conclude, lest the sermon go over long. How do we get quick escape? You're baptized. If you're baptized, you have the life of God poured into your soul, and then St. Paul is dead right. You believe in your heart, and you confess with your lips. That baptism within you, you hold it within you, and then you live your life accordingly, to the best of your ability. And if you make a mistake, and you mess up, and that super happens, it's okay. There is the confessional. And that all gets restored. And as it gets hard, here is now bread that is word, not a stone that it becomes a donut, a bread that becomes the infinite God to commune with. And when we do that, now again, the haunt of the demon can be there. We let it into our lives sometimes when we lie, when we cheat, when we steal, right? The little digital screen, all kinds of things can come in. We won't even go that list, right? Once that happens, can we repent right quick? Right quick. But must be cautious, right? We can build a bad habit. What happens if we have a habit that is filled with sin and we don't fix it till later in life? Our mind knows. That's why I want this little book, right? Will this little book solve all your problems? No. Right? Are there many prayers in here, right? Why can I control my anger about that thing? I don't know why. I know I shouldn't watch that particular thing on my phone. Why do I really badly want to go to do it? I know I shouldn't drink anymore. Why do I want to keep doing that? My sibling's not so terrible. I want to be nicer, but they drive me nuts. And we could go on and on, the co-work friends, right? I want this person to know God, but there's this thing that's holding them back. A lot of beautiful prayers to call down the grace of God. Evoke that word of God. Does Jesus and the demon fist fight? No. Do they arm wrestle for salvation? No. Christ stays in the grace of God. The devil departs. Boom. Departs. Call down the grace of God. The devil departs. Stop here because we go to the altar of God. I talk too long. Peace to all as we follow the pathway. Let's each of us help the other to be better, be lights for everyone else, but not be foolish. There is an unlight. There are tricks and traps. Christ has made us aware of them. If we stumble, he helps us get right back up. We can also move very strongly in the grace of God and a life of prayer, salvation won by Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.